Doctors give drugs of which they know little into bodies of which they know less or diseases of which they know nothing at all. Voltaire. Stay tuned to find out the missing hormone in your midlife program, adrenaline. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock solid metabolism, lasting weight loss and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today as we dive into adrenaline dominance. Some of you know about adrenaline. We know about adrenaline junkies who like doing things like jumping out of airplanes, bungee jumping, really exciting things that get their adrenaline pumping. But you might not be aware that adrenaline actually is a hormone and that it could be the missing link in your midlife hormone program if you're not getting the results that you want. In fact, most of us have adrenaline problems because of stress. So it's not only about cortisol, it's also about adrenaline. There are some genetic predispositions to adrenaline dysfunction that we talk about in this episode that you're going to want to hear about, and there are many methods that you can use to address this. So this is a little bit of a controversial episode. I'm not usually this contentious with guests, but when they make some very outwardly bold claims about health that are questionably founded in science, then, you know, I have to challenge that. So we did that. But I think that our guest today really is an expert in this field and really has a lot to offer on this topic. So I'll tell you a little bit about him and then we'll get started. Dr. Michael Platt has been a pioneer in the research and advancement of the therapeutic use of progesterone cream for use in managing adrenaline and hormone imbalance. He's considered an important pioneer in observational, functional, alternative, and allopathic medicine focused on bioidentical hormones and adrenaline overload. He has three books, The Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones, Adrenaline Dominance, and The Platt Protocol, and has received 11 literary awards. Please help me welcome Dr. Michael Platt to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we're going to talk about adrenaline dominance. We're going to talk about bioidentical hormones. We're going to talk about all things women over 40 and their hormonal poverty that they have to deal with and and how to go about fixing it. You have a book on adrenaline dominance. So why don't we start there? It's funny, I was doing an interview earlier today with a health coach and she had gone through one of my programs. And so I had asked her in the interview, what were the most surprising things that she learned during the program? And she said, the importance of cortisol. She herself had been a fitness coach and a health coach, and she had no idea about issues related to cortisol, adrenaline also, and she was very surprised by that. 
So can you talk a little bit about how you came to realize that adrenaline and then cortisol is related to that also really is a key problem for women at midlife and beyond and how you came to focus on that? Adrenaline interfere with the quality of life any age, beginning with the baby. You've heard of babies that have colic. Colic, colic is excess adrenaline. And you can actually get rid of it in about five minutes treating the baby. Women that are pregnant where the fetus does a lot of kicking, that's adrenaline. That baby will probably have colic when the baby is born. Nobody ever talks about this. And then bedwetting in children is all about adrenaline. And the ADHD, and it just goes on and on. We'll talk about this. But what happened was I started getting involved with hormones because my, actually because of my mother. My mother died of breast cancer at the age of 61. And right after she died, I realized I had inherited her hormones. Men, people don't realize that men and women have the identical hormones, different levels, but the same hormones. And so I knew she was low in progesterone because she had breast cancer. She had a belly on her. So I knew she had a lot of insulin. So when I first got involved with hormones, at that time, I used to have to slap my face when I was driving, trying to keep my eyes open. And then right after I started using progesterone, because I, I thought I was low in it because of my mother, I never got sleepy in a car again. And that, that's been a long time now. So when I saw what progesterone could do with, with regards to my, my sleepiness, I got involved with hormones. And I opened up a clinic doing hormone therapy back in 1995. And what was advantageous to me is that I was able to sit down and talk to my patients for about two hours. And let me tell you something, when you sit down and talk to, to someone, that's how you learn about what's going on with them and what works and what doesn't work. And I realized that a lot of these people had the same issues, trouble sleeping, some anger issues, anxiety. And I figured that the only hormones could that could cause all these different things is the adrenaline. And so I started treating people with or excess adrenaline. And I got some remarkable results. You can actually get rid of ADHD in 24 hours. You get rid of fibromyalgia, which is considered incurable by lowering adrenaline. So it goes on and on. And it opened up a whole new world of medicine to me. I know you're MD, but what, what is your specialty? I was board certified in internal medicine. I actually went to medical school wanting to be a surgeon, but I didn't want to do the 10. At that time, they had what, what was called a 10-minute scrub, and I didn't understand why you had to wash your hands for 10 minutes and then put on a pair of gloves. So anyway, I, I switched over to medicine. And yeah, so my specialty was internal medicine. Okay. So how do you, I apologize, I haven't had the opportunity to read your books yet. So in someone who might suspect that they're hyperadrenalized, do you want to talk a little bit about exactly what that is? I don't know that everybody can, thinks about adrenaline as a hormone. They pr might think about it more as a neurotransmitter, but if you want to talk a little bit about what it is, how it works in the body, how they might know that they are hyperadrenalized, and what tests, if any, might be available, what would that process look like? Okay, people that have excess adrenaline, first of all, it's the, the number one reason why people have trouble sleeping, either falling asleep or staying asleep. Some people grind their teeth at night. Uh, some people toss and turn. That's all adrenaline. The other thing, people with excess adrenaline will be quick to anger because it's an anger hormone. And they'll carry a lot of tension in the back of their neck. And this tension can actually cause tinnitus. 
and it can cause headaches that are always mistaken for migraine, but it's really some, a headache called occipital neuritis, which is very easy to fix as opposed to migraines. But what's interesting is that this migraine or th this headache is always mistaken for a migraine, even though it's not a migraine headache. And very often this headache shoots right into the back of the eye and it comes from the occipital nerve sheath at the, ba at the base of the skull. So just putting some progestin cream on the back of the neck eliminates this headache. But in, in any event, people with a lot of adrenaline, anxiety is only caused by excess adrenaline. And adrenaline, by the way, it's, it's both a hormone as well as a neurotransmitter. And the, so when people have a lot of adrenaline, they, they, it affects the quality of their life. People can sometimes complain about cold hands and cold feet. They always blame the thyroid for that, but it's actually adrenaline. And why adrenaline does is it constricts blood vessels. And so it can cut off blood supply to the intestines because they're not needed for survival. And adrenaline is a survival hormone. So it, by cutting off blood supply to the intestines, it causes constipation, which is also known as IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, is excess adrenaline. It cuts off blood supply not only to the hands and feet, but it also cuts off blood supply to the salivary glands because they're not needed for survival. And that's why when it comes to doing hormone test, testing, I never recommend saliva tests because the hormones don't get into the saliva then, they get low levels. And that's, so when they get a low cortisol in the saliva, they call that adrenal fatigue. But adrenal fatigue is a condition that doesn't exist. If they did a blood test. What do you mean by that adrenal fatigue is a condition that doesn't exist? because it, it's all based on a false reading of a saliva test. Adrenal fatigue is mostly a naturopath diagnosis and naturopath to saliva tests for the most part. We'll have to agree to disagree on that. Salivary okay, that's fine. testing is actually validated to be highly accurate and there are med many medical doctors that use it. So if someone suspects that they have hyperadrenalism, are there tests that you recommend that they can get any confirmation of that, or is it just a symptomatic diagnosis? Actually, the best test is a cortisol test done on blood, not on saliva. And you cannot go by, by what they call a normal level. In order to establish normal levels, they actually use medical students because they're available in hospitals and they can do studies on them. And all doctors have increased adrenaline. Adrenaline is actually the neurotransmitter that gives people intelligence. So most doctors, if not all, have a lot of adrenaline. So when they did the studies on them, they said that a normal cortisol level, blood, we're talking about blood now, is 19.4. But to me, anything above 13 is a high cortisol level. And so you're saying they should have a blood test, and if they're above 13, that because their cortisol is high, that by definition, they have hyperadrenalism. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually very rarely did testing because when somebody has a lot of adrenaline, you don't need to do a, a test. You know it. They have all sorts of symptoms too. So they have conditions like PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is caused by excess adrenaline. You don't need to do a test for that, but they don't have one except cortisol level. So there are a number of conditions that are caused by excess adrenaline. They really don't have to test for, like fibromyalgia. I find it interesting. You're very emphatic and reductive about PMDD is because of hyperadrenalism and this and fibromyalgia is because of it. And in my research and my fellowship training, et cetera, 
that usually it's multifactorial. Is hyperadrenalism a component of most of these? Yes. So what makes you so emphatic and sure? What data do you have that says specifically that it is only hyperadrenalism that causes fibromyalgia, period, end of sentence? I'm curious. Remember, I've had a lot of experience dealing with patients specifically for problems related to excess adrenaline. And the book that I wrote called Adrenaline Dominance is the only book that I know of that talks about adrenaline. They have a, a, a book out now about stress and they talk about cortisol. They don't talk about adrenaline. But the only thing that causes stress is excess adrenaline. And body releases cortisol in response to stress. Now, what's interesting is that people... Most people don't realize that the brain uses up a lot of sugar, probably more sugar than any other tissue in the body. And the, the reason why people have excess adrenaline is not because they're in danger. It's because, for, for the most part, it's because the body uses adrenaline to raise sugar levels for the brain. You, a process called gluconeogenesis, where the body converts protein into sugar. And, and adrenaline peaks at 2.30 in the morning. A lot of people get up at that time to urinate because adrenaline actually gives people that urge to urinate. On television, they call it an overactive bladder, but that's adrenaline. And just like a condition called chronic interstitial cystitis, which is also considered incurable, which is also caused by adrenaline. And, but in any event, the body uses adrenaline to raise sugar levels, and it peaks at 2.30 in the morning when people are lying in bed. And when the body releases adrenaline, because it's a very, it's a powerful hormone, it creates stress to the body, and the body responds to stress by putting out cortisol. And cortisol also raises sugar levels. So while people are sleeping or trying to sleep, they're putting out two hormones that raise sugar levels, and they're not burning it up. And the whole thing about sugar, it doesn't matter if you're eating sugar or if the body's making sugar. If you don't burn it up, the body stores it as fat and fat cells. Mm-hmm. I think it may be the number one reason for, for weight gain, but that's just my feeling. Mm-hmm. I think at least it's an important issue when it comes to weight. Yeah, I I agree. It's an important issue when it comes to every health problem. The majority of us, especially in Western cultures, are hyperadrenalized, and it really isn't addressed. So I'm glad you have a book about it and you really are raising awareness about it. And I think that we do need to have a balanced view that it's these disorders like PMDAD are probably not unifactorial disorders, uh, at least in my experience and training. So if someone suspects, and, and I think pretty much everyone has an adrenaline problem in this day and age because we all have so much stress, how do you recommend that they go about addressing it? I don't have to tell you that doctors don't get a whole lot of training with regard to the cause of illness. They train both. Yeah, pretty much know. none. Okay. So when it comes to adrenaline, it's the same thing. If, if you want to manage adrenaline, you have to treat the reason why the body is releasing it. And everybody knows about the fight or flight situation when it comes to adrenaline, that when people are in danger, the body pours out adrenaline. But that's a rare reason why the body puts out adrenaline. The primary reason why the body puts out adrenaline is to raise sugar levels for the brain. So what this means is that if you provide the fuel to the brain, the body doesn't need to use adrenaline to do it. So the brain uses two different fuels. One is glucose, that type of sugar. And the best source of glucose for the brain comes from vegetables. 
And the reason for that, they don't stimulate a lot of insulin. Candy and soda are great sources of glucose, but they produce a lot of insulin, which lowers sugar, defeats the purpose. Now, the other fuel, which is even more important that the brain uses, are ketones. And you talk about a ketogenic diet. I don't recommend that because it's a difficult diet to accomplish. But you can get ketones directly from coconut oil or MCT oil, which comes from coconut oil. So basically, adding coconut oil, MCT oil, and vegetables into your meal plan, you can get a dramatic lowering of adrenaline. Now, the only other thing you need to add is a 5% progesterone cream. Now, 5% means that each pump is 50 milligrams. And this is the exact strength you need to block adrenaline. They have different strengths, but 5% is the exact strength. And what's good about this, you don't need a prescription for it. You get it over the counter. And you don't need a prescription for coconut oil or MCT oil or, or vegetables. So people can actually treat themselves if they care to. And people that have a lot of adrenaline, as soon as they put progestin cream on, within minutes, they'll feel more, more relaxed and they'll be able to focus better if they have a lot of adrenaline. And I know that women listening now are going, how is progesterone going to help my adrenaline? So what would you explain to them? The progesterone will help the adrenaline because it blocks adrenaline. It's mostly known for blocking estrogen, but it also blocks insulin and it blocks adrenaline. This is not known to mm -hmm. most doctors, most people. Do you think that they should have a progesterone test to see where their levels are before they use progesterone? Because No, I don't. First of all, you cannot overdose on progesterone. I've seen it. There is I've one seen it. It happens. <laughs> There's a condition. Are you familiar with type 3 diabetes? Yes. Did you know they don't have a test for it? Yeah. And it's a precursor to Alzheimer's. Okay. But the thing is that if somebody does have type 3 diabetes and they use progesterone, they get an immediate outpouring of adrenaline. An immediate. And so these people will not tolerate progesterone, but it's important for them to know that they have type 3 diabetes because it can be prevent, they can prevent Alzheimer's just by adding MCT oil into their meal plan. Yes. And I'm back. So you recommend that for men or women, regardless of age, that they use progesterone cream? I do. Men stop making progesterone around the age of 50. And it's after the age of 50 that men start getting prostate cancer. Because now they, they don't have a hormone to block estrogen anymore, which causes prostate cancer. And they start putting on weight around the middle because they can't block insulin. And insulin puts on fat around the middle. So it's an important hormone for men also, even though most people think it's a woman's hormone. But what about treating the reason why someone has high adrenaline and calming their nervous system and regulating the nervous system and calming the sympathetic nervous system, increasing the parasympathetic, but with all the myriad of tools that we have to do that. What about doing that? Okay, the problem is, is that when it comes to the reason or the cause that people have excess adrenaline, it's ge genetic, always. It's always genetic. In other words, if somebody has a lot of adrenaline, that means one or both parents had it. If a child has ADHD, then one or both parents have ADHD. They may not be recognized, but I can recognize it. But what gene is this? Because I'm not familiar with this. I didn't, I've, I've never heard of that. So can you enlighten me, please? There's a lot of things in my book that you've never heard of. Okay. I think you'll find it very interesting. That's why I have you here. So you can enlighten me. But so I'm wanting to know because I know everybody listening is thinking the same thing. I've never heard that. 
if you go to Amazon, you could read the reviews on my book. They're almost all five star. And people talk about their own experiences. Right. But I'm trying to get to the science because I am not familiar. Yes, there are certain genetic SNPs that might predispose you where you don't detoxify your adrenaline the same as others. I happen to have that. So for instance, if I get upset, it tends to last longer than the average person because I don't metabolize my adrenaline as quickly. And methylation defects can predispose you to that. So is that what you're referring to? You're not referring to a direct gene that causes hyperproduction of adrenaline. Are you talking about all these SNPs of detox that you might have pathways that are decreased so you might not metabolize it like I have? Is that what you're talking about? I have to, I have to tell you, I'm not a scientist. Mm-hmm. I'm an observer. I observe. And so what I have observed is that when people have a lot of adrenaline, creative type people, by the way, have the most adrenaline. And the reason for that is that the creative brain is more active. And there's a lot of drugs and alcohol in the music industry. And I attribute that because these are people that are just trying to relax from all the adrenaline that they have. But when people are creative, these are the people that are very intuitive about other people. They can pick up good energy and bad energy from people. Mm-hmm. And they have premonitions and they have deja vu type feelings. When the phone rings, they'll either know who it is before they answer or they'll say, I was just thinking about you. And these mm-hmm. are the people who will find that animals will be very attracted to them. Believe it or not, animals can pick up on their energy and so can creative children pick up energy, this adrenaline energy from other people. And now you have to remember, I've been dealing with long time with people with excess adrenaline. So mm-hmm. these are things that I have observed. And the thing is that in the book, I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to adrenaline. And the only condition I put in the good category was ADHD. And the reason I put that in the good category is that the most intelligent, successful, creative people in the world have ADHD. And like I say, you've heard of people that get road rage. Road rage is pure mm-hmm. adrenaline, and you can actually yeah. get rid of road. You can get rid of road rage in 24 hours just by lowering adrenaline. Now, remember, I, I've had the luxury, if you will, of dealing with a lot of people with excess adrenaline, and this is what I've mm-hmm. observed. I'm open to other doctors. And I hear what you're saying. So you're saying the genetic, the inputs, right? So I, if you have detox pathway disruptions from SNPs, like I have. There are things you can do to improve, decrease sympathetic nervous system tone. I usually recommend that people quantify their sympathetic tone and their parasympathetic tone using something called heart rate variability. And they can actually get pretty reliable numbers that talk about and give information on your levels of these different neurotransmitters in the sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic, including adrenaline. So you can get actual numbers to measure it and you can use interventions to calm it down, like using breathing practices, which is really the way that you get at the autonomic nervous system. So I'm just wondering if if you do talk about that in your book, meditation, breathing practices, things like that. Remember, I, I mentioned the good, the bad and the ugly. Yes. Okay. You're, I'm sure you're very familiar with a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum. Yes. What do you think causes that? You're going to say adrenaline, hyperadrenaline? I am going to say adrenaline. <laughs> okay. They have another condition called cyclical vomiting syndrome. Then children that have to be hospitalized to, to stop the vomiting. 
Again, there are some people who wake up nauseated, and that's always adrenaline. Adrenaline is a, is a, is a hormone that causes nausea and vomiting. I had a, a gentleman that came in to see me, and he, I think it was about 47 at the time. The reason he came to see me is because every morning he would wake up and vomit, every morning. And, and to my way of thinking, the only thing that can cause that was excess adrenaline. And this man had severe fibromyalgia, severe. Anyway, the upshot of the whole thing, I put some progestin cream on his arm and he rubbed his arms together and we started talking again. And about five minutes after putting on the cream, he looked at me, he sat back in his chair and he looked at me and he said, Doc, in my entire life, I have never felt this good, my entire life. Anyway, since he left my office, he's never had another episode of vomiting. So yeah, there are other things that can cause problems related to the neurotransmitters and adrenaline, whatever. But progesterone cream is so easy, <laughs> really. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I love progesterone. You know, the weight loss, diuretic, sleep well, feel good, anti-anxiety, anti-depression, happy hormone. It's wonderful. And I just, I'm all for fixing the reason why somebody has a problem before giving a medication. And so to me, I think that sometimes we can use a so-called functional or even a root cause approach in the same way as mainstream medicine. I have a headache. I take a medication to get rid of it. Oh, I'm hyperadrenalized. I'm going to use progesterone to get rid of it, but you're not addressing the reason why you're hyperadrenalized, which to my knowledge, we'll just have to agree that there's no gene for that gives you that, but there are conditions from genes with your detoxification where you may not get rid of it properly. So you might have higher levels, but the majority of people, like you said, everybody's stressed, probably need to do something to calm that down. So I'm more of the approach to address those root causes. And also I'm a proponent of test, don't guess, test progesterone levels, test estradiol levels, test estriol levels, test testosterone levels, test DHEA, test all of these things, cortisol, insulin, and then use interventions in targeted in a targeted manner to fix and address these problems. And I find that when I work with people in this way, everything comes into balance. But I do love your contribution of really highlighting the hyperadrenalism, but I sometimes think that if you have a big hammer, everything can look like a nail. So I just am wary of that approach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Medicine has always been a passion for me. Uh-huh. And I don't have to tell you, getting a patient well is very rewarding. Yes. The I've seen the benefits of what happens when you lower adrenaline. <laughs> yes. So what about, I know you have your other book on... Bioidentical hormones, correct? Or just hormonal imbalance. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And older women, do you you recommend that they are tested for their levels? You can, even though if a woman is in the menopause, which means she's not bleeding anymore, I pretty much know what her hormones are going to be. I, And I'll be honest with you, I've always preferred treating people rather than lab tests. And the reason for that is that to my way of thinking, you can never go wrong treating a person, but you can go wrong treating a lab test because they, they can be off because hormones are whatever. But in any event, the I'm very much in favor of replacing hormones in women and men 
hormones but, control everything. Uh, yeah. So the, in the miracle of bioidentical hormones, again, I apologize. I haven't been able to, had time to read them yet. Your books, do you recommend that women be tested for their levels or that they just use over-the-counter products? No, I, a big fan of compounding pharmacies. Mm-hmm. And they will need prescriptions for the right hormones. I, testosterone, I know, is a controlled drug. And it's, to me, it's an extremely important hormone for women. Yes. The number one cause of death in women is, is heart attacks. And, and I think that's related to a low testosterone because the heart muscles have more testosterone receptor sites than any other tissue in the body. And men still make some testosterone, but women stop. So I think it's an important hormone to replace in women when they're in the menopause. Why else do you think testosterone is important for women? Because that's something that I'm very passionate about too, because many doctors are reluctant to test and or prescribe testosterone for women. So what other reasons do you think it's vital for women? There's something you probably read about in my book that you won't hear anywhere else. Women that have what's called stress incontinence, if they cough or sneeze, urine. And what I have found is that you can recommend kegels and but without testosterone they can't build muscle and they lose that muscle control around the urethra so if you have a woman use intravaginal testosterone and have them do the kegel exercise in three to six days it'll be gone and that's almost a hundred percent effective i've never thought about that is brilliant we talk about losing muscle mass with lack of testosterone but never thought about that for stress incontinence that's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, you, actually when the medical board found out i was using testosterone for women because i didn't do pelvic exams they wanted to take away my license because i was not doing pelvic exams even though they had their own gynecologist anyway medical board has never liked me <laughs> you know so and i think i don't think it was you they don't like testosterone and they don't like testosterone in women We'll have a little tangent here. So in her, I have a a telemedicine company and we prescribe testosterone for women, but they have all these laws because called the HATE Act. It's not HATE, H-A-T, it's H-A-I-G-H-T because of a teenage boy, Ryan Haight, who obtained testosterone to build muscle and he ended up dying because of cardiac problems and so that's part of the reason that it's a controlled substance it's part of the reason it can't be prescribed by telemedicine there are just so many regulations around testosterone and women don't abuse testosterone right it was a teenage boy and it was male bodybuilders who were abusing it and now women who, like you said, men continue to produce some testosterone. The majority, I'd say 80% of the women I see over 40 have dismal, if any, testosterone, and it's vital for us. And it's a logistical nightmare to get a woman a testosterone prescription. And most doctors believe, as if it's a religion, not science, that it's not necessary or it's harmful. And so I say amen to what you're saying about testosterone in women. It's vital. Yeah, there's a lot of things about hormones that have issues and shouldn't have. Legal issues. Yeah, legal issues. Yeah, tell about that because people want to know. They want to know. Like you, I I believe in treating the cause of illness. Right. And when you treat the cause, you can actually cure somebody. And as a result, 
I was able to get a lot of people off their medications. Cause, but this irritates a lot of doctors because it's a slap in the face for another doctor to have another doctor take their patient off drug. And with the upshot of the whole thing, I had a run-in with the medical board, who, and I'm sure this funded by drug companies. So they had complaints from doctors about me because I was taking their patients off drugs. I don't like drugs. It's like when people thyroid. A lot of people have thyroid issues. And when I did my training, we were taught that cholesterol is a poor man's thyroid test. And the reason for that, the thyroid controls cholesterol metabolism. So a lot of people that are being treated for an elevated cholesterol could actually just take thyroid. And also women with the highest cholesterol have the greatest longevity anyway. But but that's either yeah. way. And I, before when you said, I, I don't like drugs and I tried to take people off. And I love this quote from Voltaire that you shared that I want to share with everyone. Doctors give drugs of which they know little into bodies of which they know less for diseases of which they know nothing at all. And I forget what century Voltaire was in, but I don't know that much has changed. (laughs) It hasn't, unfortunately. I don't know why there's so many legalities around hormonal medications and anything else. The minute that comes out of my mouth, I say I do know why. Because they're naturally occurring substances and therefore... They're hard to, you can't patent them. And so that's why they're so highly political and there are a lot of legalities, but from thyroid to estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And I think in the balance, women suffer the most because we're programmed to have hormonal poverty at midlife and we have so much stress. So yes, we talked a little bit about testosterone. How about estrogen? What what would you like to offer everybody to understand about the role of estrogen? I'm not a big fan of estrogen. My mother was on Premarin before she died. But that's not estrogen. That's I not know. human estrogen. <laughs> it's, it's horse estrogen. So you're, you're really not a fan of horse estrogen for human women. I am not either. Okay. A lot of these women that do use Premarin, they don't realize that they, they kill the colts after, after when they're born because these are pregnant mares' urine that they use. I think if they knew that, they wouldn't use Premarin. I would think that. I would hope that they wouldn't use it. But in any yeah. event, the uh, I like estriol. Uh-huh. It, it's the weakest estrogen, but it's the only one that is not associated with cancer. Um, right. And it's the only one, the only estrogen effective for vaginal dryness. I don't have a problem with estriol. It's probably estradiol, a little bit leery of. The data show that there's increased longevity when you use estradiol to get someone out of hormonal poverty into what I call hormonal prosperity to optimum level, that decreased risk of dementia and Alzheimer's, decreased risk of cardiac disease, decreased risk of osteoporosis, decreased risk. The list goes on and on, and also not an increased risk of breast cancer. Now, this is talking about biologically identical estradiol, not horse estrogen. So what are your reservations about it? When you talk about conditions that women get like fibroids and endometriosis and polycystic ovary and cancer of the ovaries, they're all related to estrogen. But aren't they really all related to the fact that the estrogen isn't balanced by progesterone because they all these conditions increase in the 40-year-old age range? That's when progesterone starts going down. And You're absolutely right. <laughs> Nowadays, when doctors use progesterone, 
they're not protecting their patients because they're using oral progesterone and converts into allopregnanolone. Ninety percent of it converts into allopregnanolone, which I think actually increases adrenaline, I think. But anyway. Well, I do use oral progesterone, particularly for people who have high anxiety and sleep difficulties. I find that the delivery is better. The transdermal, we use all kinds, but that's why I like testing. <laughs> they try, so. try the five. Try the 5% progesterone cream because like I say, right. it, block, it blocks adrenaline and they'll be able to sleep better and, and it gets rid of anxiety within minutes. Yeah, but I you, usually you know, do custom dose preparations, but go ahead. You talk about hormones and doctors never think about using hormones in children. No. And, but, and here I'm, I'm saying if you have a baby with colic, you should put some progesterone cream on the baby's belly in five minutes, it's gone. You don't have to stay up all night with a crying baby. But I think a lot of people would look askance at that. But when women, when the fetus is in the womb, it gets exposed to incredibly high levels of progesterone. Right. So you figure if a fetus can tolerate those kind of levels, why can't a baby tolerate a little bit of progesterone cream? They're also exposed to testosterone and estrogen in utero. And I think any pediatrician would severely object to putting testosterone or estradiol on a I'm not talking, I understand okay. that. I'm not, I'm not recommending that, but I would recommend progesterone. You would, but I don't think majority of doctors really understand. Oh, they, I, don't I speak they don't speak <laughs> hormones. They don't speak hormones, so they don't understand. Even when you say it, I get a little clench in my stomach. But then I let I think about it and I go, yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> There's probably nothing wrong with it. No, the baby will like it. Yeah, right. But I do, like I said, I worry that, oh, Tylenol for a knee ache, Tylenol for a headache, progesterone for this, progesterone for that. Why is that baby hyperadrenalized? What is there mold in the house that's causing the smoke alarm no. in its body to go so, off and and adrenaline to go off? Uh, is it not getting nurturing parenting? What's happening? I'm telling you that even though you disagree with this, which is okay, the baby has a lot of adrenaline he inherited from the mother or possibly the father. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I, yeah well, one the of the parents sense. had a lot of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Such an interesting topic. And I have, now I have to read your book because I love that you're highlighting this because I think that it is completely overlooked. In my fellowship training, I've never heard anyone talk about it the way you do in such detail. And I, so I think it is, it's completely overlooked and it definitely needs to be addressed. And how to address it though, I would probably just lean towards trying some more causes. The majority of people have shallow breathing, which signals their body that they are in a stress state. They don't breathe properly. And that triggers adrenaline to be released. And so breath re-education is a huge part of what I'm a proponent of. And just from my own experience, even having those genetic snips with breathing practices can bring it down so that I'm not in that state. So I'm tend towards more of that. But anything you would like to add, and we'll definitely give everyone all the places, your books and where to find you <laughs> online. <laughs> It just that women have to learn how to become proactive when it comes to their health. They can't rely on a medical system that has no concern about their health, except for you. <laughs> You're it. 
There's some of us, but say more about that. What's your experience? Because you don't hear a lot of doctors talk about that. I'm one who does. I talk about that there's no worse medical gaslighting going on than against women, particularly women over 40. And we're told we don't have a problem. We don't need hormones. Estrogen is bad. We don't need testosterone. It's insane to me. The book I wrote, the first one, was The Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones. And it yeah. literally brought thousands of patients to my office from all over the country and all over the world came in because of that book. And this was mm -hmm. the same time that Suzanne Summers mm -hmm. came out with her book, The Sexy right. Ways. And now keep in mind that Suzanne Summers had breast cancer. And she was seeing a doctor up in Santa Barbara who had around eight milligrams a day of estradiol at a time that she still had her, she was still having periods. She put her on estrogen, estradiol. And as she came down with breast cancer, she went to Germany, got some injections of whatever, mistletoe injections, and came back, went right back to this doctor, who put her right back on estrogen, by the way. And she started bleeding from the uterus and couldn't stop and had, to have, and had to have a hysterectomy. Now, in her book, she never blamed estrogen for either problem. And to me, this was a, a such a, I, I thought it was, a, it was not a good thing for women to be exposed to that kind of, Suzanne Summers is a n nice lady, but I, I think, think she, that she didn't blame the estrogen. She was on egregiously high levels of estrogen and maybe that's why she, because I know in her later books, she didn't recommend those protocols that she had been on before that were these egregiously high levels of yeah. estrogen. So I think she recognized the benefits and the need for estrogen, and she more blamed the protocol she had been on. And like Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. She just didn't know. And she was trusting the so-called expert she went to, and then she had those problems. But... That was my understanding of it anyway. Yeah. All right. It has been a pleasure to have you, Dr. Platt. And where can people tell them about all your books and where well, they can find you online? And Yeah, they can get a lot of information. The website is platwellness.com, P-L-A-T, platwellness.com. They can read reviews on the books on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And they can buy the books on Amazon, I think. Okay. Um, and they'll know on the website that there are ways of getting in touch with me if they have questions. Great. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you all for listening to another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. I know you have learned something today that you can put into use to help yourself move, move towards the brilliant health that you deserve. Tell me what you thought because I'm not usually this controversial when I do an interview, but we had some <laughs> healthy discourse today and I'm wondering what you think and what you learned. So reach out to me on social media and give me a holler and I will see you again next week. Until then, peace, love and hormones, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. 
Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.